Hello, hi, it's Seema. Welcome back to my Inside Voice podcast episode two. Episode, episode two. Um, Holy shit, we're two episodes in. Thank you for coming back. Thanks, mom, and maybe one other person. I don't know how many people are listening to this, but whoever's listening to this, I hope you like um, today's episode. Um, So... I've been thinking a lot about, I had a thought. If anybody knows where that's from, we, we just became best friends. Um, so I've been thinking about a lot. About, wow, 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 wow. I've been thinking about my life as I do, as you do, and what sort of takes up a lot of my energy, what takes up a lot of my time, what do I really focus on? Um, and it's like unequivocally, it's dating, finding a partner, finding a mate. Um, especially lately, I'm 34, um, 35 this year in October. And, you know, it's becoming something that I really want. I want to be in a long-term relationship. I want to be in love. I want somebody to be in love with me and I want to create a life together. But as people know, um, people that have been single, people that are single, um, it's not that easy. It's difficult. Um, Dating can be dating is a thing. Dating is a hard thing. It can be fun. It can be um, interesting. You meet a lot of cool new people. Um, There's so many experiences that you can benefit from, blah, 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 blah. But it can also be like horrifying and frustrating. And it can invoke so many negative thoughts. Um, And I feel like I've been through the full spectrum. When I first started dating about, I don't even know, six years ago, I guess. I don't know. I'm really bad with like time, like chronological things. Um, It was after I got out of a serious long-term relationship. I moved away from home. So I'm like, cool. I get to like fully be in the dating scene. You know, I had never dated before. Um... And, you know, I was, I was excited. It was cool. It was the first time I moved away from home. Uh, I was across the country. I was a single independent woman. I was making good money. Uh, eventually (laughs) I was pretty broke for the first like couple months, but you know, you get, you get shit done and you make it work. Anyways, had my own apartment. It was really cool. It was fun. So I started, you know, I got on the apps. I got online, Bumble, Tinder, all that shit. And just started doing my thing, made a profile as you do, uh, changed a lot throughout the years. Um, Spoiler alert, I'm still single, but we'll get to that. And, you know, I just kind of dove head first. I didn't really know what to expect. Um, I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know if there was like, you know, any rhyme or reason to it. I just wanted to find somebody Um, but I quickly learned that it was harder than I thought and I quickly learned that um, I'm pretty sure I wasn't ready for it pretty sure that it was awful Um, the guys that I was meeting were not 
what I thought I was supposed to meet. Um, none of them were husband material, even though I wanted them to be so badly. You know, I'm that hopeless romantic. I'm that girl with her heart in, with the hearts in her eyes. You know, that heart eyes emoji. That's me. Um, I look at a man and if he, you know, if I have a connection with him, if our, if we vibe, if we, you know, flow together, all that Pisces rising shit, um, I'm in it, you know, I'm in it to win it. I, I, I get excited and I fucking, you know, start thinking long-term and I'm like, okay, this could be the one, you know, we talk every day and text every day. He like, he you know, text me before he goes to bed and text me right first thing in the morning and all that stuff and everything. This is what they do in the movies. This is what people that are in relationships around me tell me about. So yeah, this is it. Like, oh my God. And then I find myself texting my sister. I'm like, okay, I just found your brother-in-law. Like it's, I'm crazy. People might think, people categorize me. People have categorized me as crazy as delusional but man that's that's just who I am and and I've learned to accept that more on that later accepting you know such facets of yourself that aren't deemed perfect perfection a fucking illusion I could do a whole fucking episode on that and how perfection is such a pipe dream and how it doesn't exist and we're conditioned to think that there is this big master goal and we're constantly on this hamster wheel running and running and running and running trying to reach that unattainable bullshit of a goal that doesn't even fucking exist and it's always moving it's always moving once you reach a goal that you think that you have reached it like you you want something else constantly striving constantly striving um anyways I digress back back to dating um so I I I was that girl I'm still that girl to a very certain to to an extent um and but in the past I just kept getting disappointed obviously I kept I I didn't understand why the first week was so good with a man or the first few days and then it just fizzled out it just started to get really bad. It started to get really inconsistent. The things that I liked him for, the things that I liked our, you know, quote unquote relationship for, aka two fucking dates, started to fade. It started to not exist. And I'm like, what happened? What did I do? What can I do? And then I started to um, overcompensate. I started to, you know, move really quickly towards the man and really, really started to suffocate myself and probably our two date old union. I don't even know what to call it. It's nothing at that point. And really um, drove myself mad by trying to be a person that I thought he wanted. That's a lot to unpack. That's a lot. even thinking about that is like jarring for me. Having to change my entire being and who I am to suit somebody else's needs for the sake of a relationship. You know, neo feminism, postmodern feminism teaches us that's disgusting. 
that's not some that's the opposite of what people are arguing about on Twitter. Social justice warriors just scoff at that, you know, and and to a certain extent I agree like but I I didn't know who I was. So I wanted to bend and twist and turn into something that I thought was a version of myself that somebody would be okay with. So many complications with that. So and that's how I approached dating. That's how I approached every single date. I was a completely different version of myself. I turned into a completely different version of myself. Let's put that out there. I was myself, whatever the fuck that meant back then, because I didn't even know who who that was now that I look at myself now. Um, And, you know, cool, I guess, the cool girl. I'll talk about that some other time, maybe in this episode, maybe in another one. Um, And then once I deemed him worthy of husband material, I started to chase and I started to really get worked up. Why isn't he calling me? Why isn't he texting me? What is this? I started to act like it was a relationship when it wasn't. And I put myself in a position where, you know, Capricorn moon, I'm a Capricorn moon. Capricorns typically look for or Capricorns typically take accountability for their actions they always want to know what they're responsible for. They always are cognizant of how did they contribute to this result that maybe isn't favorable. Um, And in healthy doses, that is huge. That is monumental um, to feel, to make sure that your side of the street is clean. But, you know, so I started to break it down. I started to really break down after failed date after failed date, failed relationships after failed relationships. I started to wonder what the fuck is going on. You know, I, I can't be that bad, you know, and, and me so used to being so self-critical as a, as are most of us. Um, I started to really berate myself. I started to really put myself down. I started to really un, like, tr- like break myself down and say, okay, well, maybe I have to do more of this. Maybe I have to do more of that. And they were all ex- try- like external fixes. Maybe I'm not thin enough. Maybe I'm not pretty, en- pretty enough. Maybe I'm not funny enough. Maybe I'm not engaging enough. Maybe I'm fucking boring. I used to have a best friend back in the day. Fuck her. She, we were talking about like colors and what we would define our personalities as if we were a color, stupid game. She said that my personality would be defined by the color beige. Fuck you. Also, that's ridiculous. And she's like, you know, you're just bland. You're just blah. You're, there's nothing to your personality. Fuck you. But, you know, at your worst, you're thinking about that. Um, and you're like, what do I have to offer? Do I have anything to offer? Am I even worth loving? Am I worthy of a healthy respectful, beautiful, transcendent, long-term relationship? Or am I just, you know, going to be a serial dater for the rest of my life? You know, these are some heavy questions, dangerous questions if they're taken in large doses. Um, they can be quite addicting. Self, self-criticism for me is an addiction. And it comes from continuously being told that I'm not good enough the way that I am. Um, you know, self-progress and, and always evolving and stuff is different from changing who you are at the core. And, you know, everybody could take a little 
everybody could use a little self-progress. Everybody could use a little evolution. But if you're changing core traits of you to fit somebody else, to fit what you think somebody else wants and needs from you, that's dangerous. And that's the game that I was playing with myself. So, okay, okay, okay. I know it's deep. This is a lot. Okay. This is what you came for. Um, so anyway, so I took a step back. I took several steps back, um, a few years later and I'm like, okay, what, what am I doing wrong? What is going on? You know? And I got really internal. That was probably the best thing I could ever do was to get internal. Self-criticism comes from what you think, how you think you measure up in comparison to an external source. Self-progress and evolution, I feel, in my opinion, comes from an internal desire to be the best version of yourself without laying it thick, laying it on thick with the, with the criticism and the hate and the self-hate and the self-loathing. You know, a healthy dose of self-criticism is really beneficial. Joe Rogan will tell you that. People will tell you that. You know, you got you to gotta be tough on yourself. But if, if you're comparing yourself to somebody else or something else external from you, and then you're being tough on yourself because you think you don't match up, that's where it starts to get fucked up. That's where it starts to get dicey. You know, that's where it starts to get dangerous. So I took a few steps back. Um, and I said, okay, I got to go inside. I got to go internal because I can't do this anymore. I can't be unhappy anymore. I can't be lonely anymore. I can't be heartbroken anymore. What, what am I doing wrong? What, what, you know, all these guys have one common denominator and that's me. And I can't change their behavior. I can't go into their minds and I can't, I can't understand them at this point. So I got to control what I can control. And that's myself. That's me. So what am I going to do? You know, what, what, how am I going to play this? Um, there's like, you know, there's no rule book. There's no formula. There's no, um, manual, but we do have the answers to every single question that we, we ask throughout our lives. And we're packed with those answers and we're, we come into this world with those answers but somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, we're conditioned to think that we have to look outside ourselves for validation. Excuse me. We have to look outside ourselves, teachers, parents, friends, family, relationships, significant others, romantic partners, um, and everything in between to identify ourselves with. And that, in my opinion, again, and in my experience, is probably the biggest fallacy and has caused the most heartbreak and disappointment in my life for me when I stopped identifying myself as where I worked who I was with a sister a daughter a cousin a friend a girlfriend a potential wife when I stopped identifying myself as those external labels oh boy dating became fun again Dating became a way to meet new people, a way to really unravel layers in myself and to really get to the bottom of who I am 
in all these different scenarios that I, I was blessed to be put into different scenarios. And I am blessed to have a personality that is able to adapt to different scenarios and different people. Not perfectly, because like I said, fuck perfection, but I was able to really look at dating from a new perspective, from a fresh perspective, once I identified as Seema Kapoor. And that's it. Now what, so if you don't identify as a sister or a, a, a whatever, fill in the blank, an employee, blah, 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 blah. I lost my job at that point. Like all the labels that I used to put on myself to use as an identity indicator, they all came crashing down. I was single, no job. <laughs> like all of those things were just kind of gone out the window. I was forced to see myself as who I was at that point. Am I less than? Am I, am I worthy? Am I good enough? Am I not good enough? Why? Why not? All of those questions kind of overplayed in my mind and that, you know, attributed to a lot of anxiety and mental health is a huge, huge thing for me and my family and it touches every single person that I know. Um, so I'm going to do a separate episode about that because I think that's, that's a lot to unpack as well. And I think, you know, coming to terms, mental health is a huge buzzword. They're huge buzzwords in today's society, but I think we still don't give it the, the focus it deserves because we still don't understand the effects that it has long-term. We think that, you know, you have a bout of depression, you have a bout of anxiety, you're a little bit OCD and, and like you're, you can still function. No, you, you can't function just like everybody else with no mental health issues um, or with minimal mental health issues or whatever it is. You can't. I wake up one day and I feel miserable and it's not because I'm lazy. It's because I have things inside of my brain and inside of myself that stop me from feeling amazing or happy or shake it off like my friends or family. Anyways, again, I digress. That's a separate episode. But mental health also plays a huge role in dating for me. You know, I'm quicker to get anxious about things. Um, I take a lot of things personally that I shouldn't. I used to. So managing that piece was big for me too. Even recognizing that mental health played a part in my life, let alone my dating life, was huge. I denied it for a really long time. And I thought that I was okay. I thought I was strong enough. I was the rock in the family. People leaned on me. People depended on me. But there was something after all of the shit that happened with, with you know, you go through stuff in your life. And I'll, I'll talk about that too. There's so much to talk about, guys. Like, don't even worry about it. The content's coming. And there's no shortage of it cool. <laughs> um, so you deal with about, you deal with things in your life and you come out of it and you're changed. You know, you're not bulletproof. You're not a robot. You're human and thing, you get affected. And so that really, I had to admit to myself. So when I'm dating, when I'm out with people, when I decide to bring people, a person into my life and I decide to put myself in theirs, like mental health plays a part in that. Um, and who I am, how I show up, how I receive gifts from the universe, 
how I receive gifts from everywhere, from people, places, and things, or my lack of ability to receive really, truly is, I know now is a part of my identity, you know? Um, how I love, what I, I'm attracted to, who I love, how I want to be loved, how I put myself out there, not just physically, but the vibes that I give out, the energy that I possess, that when it mixes with somebody else's energy, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it volatile? Is it magic? Or anything in between. That is all part of my identity. You know, when you strip away all of those superficial labels, like a co being a coworker, being a boss, being an employee, being a sister, being a cousin, being a friend, being a daughter, when you strip away all of those labels, you have to define yourself in brand new ways. And that's the hard part. Again, we've been conditioned to be something in relation to our external world. So when our external world is something we cannot count on anymore because it no longer makes us feel safe, it no longer makes us feel secure, it's no longer something we can really fall back on, we got to fall back on ourselves. And that was tough for me because I had nothing to fall back on. There was no safety net for me. I had no idea who the fuck I was. And so when I walk into the dating world, like it seems like a jungle. I felt like a sheep amongst wolves and I got torn the fuck apart and it was bloody. It was gross. And it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about how I want to show up in the world, how I want to show up for the opposite sex, because that is what I'm attracted to and how I want to show up for myself. Okay. So I was talking about, you know, we're all born with this, these answers. We're all born with an identity that has nothing to do with the external world. I call that the toolkit. I call that our personal toolkit. You know, we're all, I'm a Scorpio sun. So, um, like I said, astrology is going to seep into a lot of episodes, fucking deal with it <laughs> or not, whatever. But, um, it, it's a lot of part, astrology makes up a lot of my spirituality um, I will do a whole episode on astrology and how it sort of has affected me professionally and otherwise. So stay tuned for that if you are interested. Um, so as a Scorpio sun, my, I have two ruling planets. Every zodiac sign has a, is ruled by a planet or two. Scorpios are ruled by two planets. Pluto, which is a non-existent planet, to be honest. It's the smallest planet in our solar system. And Mars. Mars is the warrior planet. So I am born, and through my experience I've noticed this, I'm born with this like warrior fight mentality, you know? And when I talk about toolkits, a lot of what my toolkit was made up of, I believe, I think, you know, through self-discovery and all, inner work and all that stuff, a lot of it was weaponry that I could use to really establish who I am and how I show up in the world. And a lot of it is, is, comes from being strong, being able to speak up for myself, being able to speak up for people that maybe don't have a voice or maybe have a quieter voice and are um, overlooked. 
um, fight my battles head on, not be scared. Courage and courage and fearlessness is baked into me. That's part of my toolkit. You know, those are huge, huge tools. Those are powerful tools to have, you know, when the external world sort of breaks down on you. But as I went through life, I was always told, and I said this in the pilot episode too, I was always told to shut the fuck up. I was told that I was too aggressive. I was too angry. I was too loud. I was too much. So I put those tools away unknowingly, you know, because I didn't think that they were worthy enough. I didn't think they were good enough. I thought they were bad, actually. I thought that the natural tools that I was blessed with, that I was given to by God, I do believe in God, so that's a thing, um, by the universe, through my soul's path, those things that I was naturally born with weren't good enough. When you are told and conditioned, like a lot of us are, that the things that you're naturally good at and the tools that you're born with are not good enough, you start to crumble. Your identity starts to get soft and you solely depend on what people are telling you as what your identity is. So when you walk into the world like that and you grow up like that and you enter the dating world like that, it's, you're gonna get crushed. I got crushed. So now that I've stepped the fuck back and I've taken a look at all the answers that I have inside of me, I've pulled those tools out, you know, like, like an artist that hasn't pulled out his brushes or her brushes in a really long time. I'm dusting off these tools. I'm dusting off this new fuel, this fire, this willingness, this ability to fight for myself and people I love and everybody around me. I'm, and it's, it's, it's exciting. <laughs> and I start, to, I start to create this cushion within myself, this safety knit within myself. You know, I'm still that girl with the hard eyes. I'm, I'm not, you know, heartbreak is always going to be something that I'm going to be at risk for because I am naturally just a romantic in the truest sense of the word. I believe in soulmates. I believe in transcendent love, transcendent love from lifetime to lifetime. You know, and I do believe that I'm worthy of that, but I'm going to, I do believe that um, I, I come first, you know, my, what I've built up until this point, all the tools that I have up until this point, I've discovered, I've, I've dusted off and shined up. That is worth protecting and prioritizing over anybody else, over any soulmate, over any transcendent love. And this sounds really fucking cliche, but you know, if that person is for you, um, they'll encourage you to use your tools at any, all the time because they'll have their own tools that they're using and that they've maybe recently discovered or that they've had their whole life and nobody has told them that it's bad. Lucky them. <laughs> so... Getting back to uh, dating. So fast forward till now. I am not perfect. Again, I'm not where I thought I'd be. I'm still single. Um, and I am still very much a romantic. 
but I know what I bring to the table because I'm the fucking table. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Um, I set up those chairs. Uh, I sit at the head every day, every time. And if I choose to date, which I am now currently, and I choose to offer a seat to a lucky guy, I will do so with love and intention, but also knowing that I got this because I got me. And I wanted to speak a little bit about partners in general, just a little bit before I end off. This is getting long. Um, I will be doing longer episodes, by the way. I'm just sort of getting used to this whole podcast flex. So um, just give me a minute, you know. Um, So partners, um, I used to think that I needed one man to be my everything, to be my safety, my security, um, my one true love, my um, financial cushion, my mental strength, my emotional pick me up, everything, and everything in between. That's a lot. Um, Especially considering that I wasn't all of that for myself. Not even close. (laughs) So whatever I lacked, I wanted him to have in in spades. You can see why that is so problematic. You know, I, I, sorry, mom. (laughs) I feel like I'm going to have to say that, like, every episode several times um I I didn't have a lot of strong male influences growing up you know um and it was hard for me to really understand what a true man looked like so I assumed that so I had to guess and I had to sort of pick and choose from relationships that I saw from memories that I had from things that I saw on tv and movies and tv and um music and all of that stuff. And I sort of made this makeshift, MacGyvered this makeshift man in my, ma- in my mind and used it as a blueprint for every other guy that came into my life. And that is dangerous because that guy doesn't exist and he shouldn't exist because to place so much of your expectations and pressure on one person to be your everything is uh, in my mind, a recipe for failure. You shouldn't need somebody else to be your everything because you have everything within you, right? Like I was saying, you have all the answers to all the questions that you have. You have everything within you. You have that toolkit. That toolkit is endless. That toolkit is with you your whole life. This life, next life, if you believe in multiple lifetimes, which I do, um, it's there for you. So to, 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 you know, force a man, a mortal, a mere mortal <laughs> to be all of that is like a lose situation, a lose, lose situation. Um, now, not to say that, you know, you shouldn't have expectations. Everybody fucking has expectations. And let me just talk quickly about expectations because everybody has expectations. If somebody tells you to go into something, oh, don't have any expectations, they're a liar. And that is stupid advice, in my opinion. You're going to go into something having expectations because you just are. You're human. It's human to want. It's human to, you know, 
go online, you're dating somebody, they have something on their profile, you expect, okay, this person says I like peanut butter, you expect them to like peanut butter. This person says that they're 6'3", you expect them to be 6'3". So like you will always have this baseline expectation, these baseline expectations for somebody when you meet them, especially in dating. And yes, these expectations can be inflated. They can get crazy. As I've known to have, I've had crazy expectations. That's when it, again, that's when it starts to get dangerous because you're expecting so much out of one person and that's based on not them telling you it or doing it. It's based on these crazy notions and fantasies you have in your fucking mind. My Pisces rising, uncontrollable, fucking driving this, ugh, this whole approach to dating has, has really, really hindered me into being in reality, which isn't bad, you know? It's just reality. Fantasy is fun, escapism is fun, but reality is here to stay. It doesn't get any less existent. So, sorry, I'm just looking at my dog. She just jumped out of bed for no reason. I don't know. I think she saw a ghost, which I do believe that dogs can see and children. Anyways, um, <laughs> I got sidetracked. I got to end this. So fast forward till now, still single, you know, I'm dating. Um, but I know what I want from myself. I know what I expect from myself. I, I have a whole, I have a, a much, a much more clear picture of who I am and what tools I possess. I am the fucking table. And again, when I choose somebody to, to, when I choose to give somebody a seat at my table, it is with love and intention and hope and faith, but also strength and knowing that it's okay if it doesn't work out and not to put so much pressure on him that I lock all the doors and cage him up and <laughs> I've been known to be obsessive okay Scorpio sun you know plutonium princess right here fucking obsessive and possessive that doesn't work either FYI you know getting to know somebody is the fun part getting to know different types of people and what you like and what you don't like and what they bring to your table and what they, you know, might be lacking and all of that stuff and getting to knowing, getting to know people on an intimate level, that's huge and that's important and that really makes dating worthwhile for me and that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at right now. I'm at a point where I'm happy to date. I'm at a point where dating is beautiful and I know that I'm much closer than I was years ago, but I'm in no rush. I got plenty of time. Ladies, if you're, if you're constantly being told or conditioned or um, you have this whole biological clock mentality, it's a reality. It's physical, like it's, it's true in a lot of ways, but to pick a man or to pick a mate based on your biological clock ticking, you're doing yourself a disservice. You're doing yourself harm. Don't settle. Know that you're the table. Assign seating accordingly. That's it for me, guys.
Love you. Thank you for listening. Um, two episodes in and it's already been a crazy ride. My heart is beating so fast. So thank you, thank you, thank you for the support. Peace.